Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. This is Janet Miranda, the Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. Well, you know, it's been quite a few weeks now since that terrible attack on October 7th in Israel. I don't think any of us saw that coming. And the massacre of all those innocent people is just horrific. And the taking of hostages. And, of course, the bombing that's going on and the destruction in the Gaza Strip. You know, I've been to Israel and a trip to the pilgrimage, actually, to the Holy Land. It is so beautiful there and such key places. Uh, This was where Jesus was born and where he suffered and died on the cross and was buried and rose from the dead. All those key sites are there. Now, while the fighting is not quite where those places are, it's still part of Israel and it's getting closer and closer. And the sad thing is, Hamas and these other terrorists, all they want to do is obliterate all of Israel, all the Jewish people, which is so sad. Well, today's program, I thought I would share with you um, an interview that was done last week on our news program with uh, Teresa Watson and Leslie Pomba from my staff, because we were able to interview a pro-life leader in Israel. He is Israeli. His name is Nir Solomon. He runs, he runs a ministry called Ephrat Crib. And for decades and decades, they have been working to help women over in Israel not choose abortion. But in this interview, you're going to hear the state of affairs and the feelings of the Israelis right now while this horrific war is going on. So let's take a look at that interview now. We are happy to welcome back to our show our friend Nir Solomon, the executive director of Ephrat Crib in uh, Israel. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Nir, can you tell us what's happening, where you are now? So I can tell you I, right now I'm actually not in the Ephrat office. I'm actually in my house, which is on the Judean Hills. It's in a beautiful, beautiful area. But unfortunately, the tension here is extremely, extremely, extremely high. I know the media back in the U.S. is is reporting all kinds of interesting things. I think more what is interesting in the media than necessarily what's happening here. But what I what I want to share is that there is unfortunately the feeling of it on the one hand an existential threat to the state of Israel. Why? Because there's a fear that just the Arabs from all around are interested right now in just attacking and killing everybody they see. I know it's hard to imagine. It's hard to believe. It's hard to understand. As I shared with a congresswoman um, from one of my donors who asked me to speak with her, and I said, you know, if I would tell you what my grandfather told his family right after Kristallnacht in Europe, 
when he said living on the grounds of the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, he said we have to leave Europe because Europe is burning and the Nazis will kill all of us. They thought he was crazy. They said, we're in Luxembourg. Nobody's going to harm us. We're a neutral country. My grandfather, my father, my uncle, my grandmother were able to escape. And the rest who didn't believe my grandfather were slaughtered by the hands of the Nazis. So that, for some, early on, seemed alarmist from the perspective of my grandfather. And if we would have been sitting here today on October 6th, the day before the massacre happened on October 7th in the southern border of Israel, if we would have started talking about a preemptive war where Israel would have attacked Hamas, the entire world would have been coming, raining down with anger. How dare you do that? And we would say, but you know, we know that there is imminent danger. They want to slaughter us. The entire world would say, what are you talking about? Nobody behaves this way. What are you talking about? But my grandfather lived through the Holocaust. His family did not. We today are living after October 7th, which actually did happen. So where I live, I'm in a town in Judea and Samaria. I was the mayor of the town. Today I'm on the first responders unit, which we had to take a strategic decision of how to deal on a day-to-day basis with the threats that are surrounding us. We don't have the time to expand on this too much, but it's just, it's something unimaginable that we today know, we, we know for fact, there's video footage of soldiers, terrorists in Gaza training to overtake the town that I live in. How scary would that be? Can you imagine? Can you no. imagine in your town, you would have a vision, you would have a video of a training ground of terrorists overtaking your town And the way they overtake it is not, you know, they want to conquer the land. They don't care about the land. They make sure that they kill every single person in your town. And then there are video marches in the neighbor. This is unbelievable. I mean, I know it's so difficult to believe. There are, but we have video footage of it live, real. There are marches in the towns around where I live asking the people to bear arms and kill every Jew in sight. Can you imagine? No, (laughs) really, I can't. It's it's so, um, I know Leslie and I are both getting pretty emotional (laughs) listening to you and and it's it's so remote from from us. Um, And and I apologize because, you know, we're we're so sympathetic, but um, as you're saying, can you imagine it? And Mm -hmm. and no, we can't, we, we really can't. So how, how is all of this affecting Efrat and the moms um, that you try to help? So I'll tell you, first and foremost, it's affecting us on the basic level of life embracing. We are now fighting an enemy that what they are antithetical to is life itself. It's hard to understand and hard to imagine, but that's what they are fighting So today we are actually dealing with women that have been displaced from their homes, both down south in Israel and up north where we're expecting a war to break out with a Hezbollah on the northern border of Israel. So these women are displaced under tremendous stress, tremendous, tremendous anguish, and we are out there to help them not only now, where usually where we help most is to prevent 
terminating pregnancy and bring those children into life. But now we're helping women who just had their babies and are under tremendous, tremendous stress, even beyond the regular women, I would say, that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, which are considering terminating their pregnancy due to financial and emotional stress, which today is heightened ever so more. And we're there for them to be able to hug them, hold their hands, and tell them, listen, while there is a feeling of existential threat, we know that the land of Israel is in God's hands. And God has tremendous, tremendous, tremendous future for the people of Israel in the land of Israel. So while it's difficult to deal with right now, we stand with tremendous hope. My son is a soldier in the Golani Brigade. Recently, a famous rabbi and singer visited my son. And this this picture of my son with a very large rifle blessing the rabbi. Not the rabbi blessing my son, but the rabbi said, you're such a holy soldier. I want your blessing. So my son is being blessed by the rabbi, and I have to share with you a story. One of the things that we've been doing in Efrat is trying to help now these women, but also the soldiers on the battlefield. Why? Because in Israel, we have saved over 85,000 babies. 85,000 babies in the past close to five decades, which means there are thousands of Efrat children on the battlefront today. So we are out there hugging them, saying, you know, your lives were at stake. We helped protect your life and bring you into this world. Now you are helping and protect our lives. So one of these stories, and there are many, is a father who called us up and he said, we're looking for soft shell jackets to warm our soldiers. They're freezing cold out in the battlefield at night. We know you're providing it to the soldiers. Can you help provide for my son's unit? We said, you know, what unit is your son? He said he's at the very elite commando unit with dogs. It's special canine unit. I don't know if there is such a unit in the United States Army. I'm not sure. Is there? I don't know. I don't know. I know they're on the police force. I'm not sure about the army, though. So he's in this canine unit. I said, listen, you know, we've handed out close to 9,000 soft shell jackets. We're down to the last couple hundred. How many do they need? He said they need 280. I had exactly 290, which was amazing. And I said, I'm not so sure I can give him the entire 290. He says, you don't have a choice. I said, what do you mean I don't have a choice? He says, you know, my son is your son. I said, what, what do you mean he's, he's my son? He says, you know, my boy would have never been alive if it wasn't for 20 years ago that Efrata saved his life. We had wow. two children. My wife was still breastfeeding. She became pregnant unexpectedly. We had to terminate the pregnancy because we couldn't afford another child. And your volunteer just drove us crazy, that those were his words, and said to us, listen, if you really want to have a child and you cherish life, don't worry about the finances. God provides. But in the meantime, there's this organization that I volunteer for called Efrat. We'll be there for you. And the father says to me, I'm emotional, even though I've told this story already a dozen times since last week. You know, the father says to me, I want you to know, I remember that the day my son was born, I did not believe a word you said. And I thought, how am I going to buy him a crib to sleep in? And when he was born, you delivered to our home 
a crib, a carriage, clothing, bottle, everything. I can't, I remember it like yesterday. You were like saviors from heaven. And then you didn't just disappear. You provided him diapers and clothing and baby formula for years after. He says, now he's your boy. He's protecting you. We need you to help us with soft shell jackets. I said, it's unbelievable. I just packed up my car in the middle and I drove to this base brought them the soft shell jackets. And then he says to me, now that I saw you're a loving father, I want to tell you the end of the story. I said, what's the end of the story? That's not the end. He says, no. <laughs> he says a year later, my wife's aunt was going to have an abortion and nobody knew the story with Efrat. We went to my wife's aunt and we told her, listen, you can't have an abortion. Money should not be a reason to terminate the pregnancy. There's this amazing organization. They will help you out. She didn't believe us. But thank God you stepped into the picture. You saved not only one child, but she had twin boys. And both of them right now are fighting in Gaza as we speak. So you wow. know what the impact of the work of Efrat is. So we're there to hug our own children, our boys and girls serving in the army in this unbelievably just war. And we pray to God to shine his glory and kindness on all of these boys and girls. And God willing that we should have the right to obliterate the evil. We prefer that the vengeance is done directly by the hand of God. But if we have to take part in it, we stand fast with God's command to make sure that we obliterate evil so that Leslie and Teresa, both of you, can sit comfortably in America because if we don't win this war, they're going to come after you. They're going to come after France. They're going to come after Germany. This is a war for humanity. So just like saving children from abortion is a war for humanity, this war that we're fighting right now in Gaza is a war for humanity as well. Well, Nir, I, I, hate, I hate to have to go, but we do have to wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us. And please know that our prayers are with you, with your son, with all the sons and daughters in Israel, all the moms, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Nir. God bless you. Thank you. Boy, oh boy, was that not a sobering interview? And and notice what Nir said, how his grandfather fl fled Luxembourg because of the Nazis and how people who didn't believe him, they, they were killed by the Nazis. And, and he said, the same thing is happening here in Israel now. And imagine, like he said, on October 6th, if you, if, that you were told that Hamas was going to come do that, most people wouldn't have believed you. But look at the devastation and destruction. But the beautiful part of the story, these babies that he his organization saved decades ago are now fighting on the front lines in the Israeli army to save all people. Because he is right. Because the terrorists that are over there trying to destroy Israel, they want to destroy America too. So he's he is right, Nir, in that this is a human rights really a human rights war. I hope you learned something by all this. And if you want to learn more information about Nir's ministry called Ephrat Crib, go to their website, ephratcrib.org. Uh, there's an opportunity to make a donation because he will be helping the mothers who have just had their babies in this war-torn area. He'll also be helping those who are pregnant and confused so they won't choose abortion, that they'll give life to those children. 
So efratcrib.org is where you can have a direct impact during the war in Israel. Well, again, a little bit of a sobering topic for today, but I thought it was very important to give you an inside look into what is really happening over in Israel from a pro-life point of view. Well, thank you for joining me. And until next time, this is Janet Morena, Executive Director of Breeze for Life. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.